0: Shares of Internet retailers plunged after a decision by the Supreme Court today. In a 5-4 to four vote, the court ruled that states can start collecting billions of dollars in sales taxes from Internet retailers that don't currently charge tax to their customers. The justices reversed a 1992 ruling that had made most of the Internet a tax-free zone. Joining me is Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter Greg Store. Greg, Justice Kennedy wrote the majority opinion. What did he base the reversal on? He,
1: he based it both on the fact that he didn't think the physical presence rule made a whole lot of sense in 1992, and he said it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense today when uh, e-commerce is, uh, is the way so much business gets done. Uh, South Dakota's law uses, instead of a physical presence requirement, it says you have to have an economic connection to the state by having a certain minimum amount of sales. And uh, he, he said that's a better way to determine whether a state uh, should have the right to impose uh, tax collection responsibilities.
0: It wasn't a typical lineup of justices. Joining Justice Kennedy in the majority were Justices Clarence Thomas, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Samuel Alito, and Neil Gorsuch. So to what do you attribute this? Alignment. I attribute it, yeah, it
1: this, this the underlying legal doctrine, which is known as the Dormant Commerce Clause, uh, which sounds like something that should put you to sleep, but it's basically the idea that states can't interfere with interstate commerce, at least unless Congress uh, lets them uh, explicitly says they can. That underlying doctrine, for whatever reason, just cuts across ideological lines. It it, it has never divided the courts the way so many other issues uh, do. And, and in this case, it was very clear at the arguments uh, that Justice Ginsburg uh, was poised to overturn this physical presence requirement. Uh, She didn't see any reason why a state should not be allowed to uh, impose tax collection responsibilities, and she joined with people like Justice Thomas, who thinks that the whole Dormant dormant Commerce Clause idea actually isn't in the Constitution. So he was uh, even uh, more excited about overturning the Quilt decision.
0: What did the dissent say, and who wrote that?
1: Well, the dissent, you know, wasn't so much it was written by the Chief Justice, John Roberts, and it wasn't so much that he was saying the the physical presence requirement was a good one, but basically that this is going to have a lot of implications, uh, implications we uh, can't fully understand, and Congress is the one who should deal with this. So this entire area of law... Is one where uh, both before this ruling and after this ruling, Congress can come in and set the rules for the states in terms of what they can, uh, what they can do. And and, uh, Chief Justice Roberts essentially said it would be much better if we let Congress overturn the physical presence rule and therefore be able to set whatever you know sort of minimum requirements it it would want. for, for states to avoid imposing too much of a burden on small businesses.
0: So Congress has never been able to pass that kind of a, of a law, but might states now, all the states having different kinds of requirements, might that lead Congress to move and set a federal standard?
1: Yeah, it, it, it sure might. Um, there are you know, some of the Internet retailers. Amazon has, has for example, you know, has wanted for a while for Congress to step in and do something like that. Uh, so you have both you know, the concern of a patchwork of state laws and a concern that uh, small businesses might be forced to collect taxes and, and there will be a push for Congress to set a clear uh, minimum threshold. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's tough to get much through Congress these days, at all, but uh, there is certainly a lot of talk about trying to get Congress to act at this point.
0: Another ruling could affect about 100 cases currently at the SEC, along with a dozen that are on appeal. Tell us about that. It hasn't gotten as much play, obviously, as the Internet ruling.
1: No, it hasn't. It is uh, involving a guy uh, named Ray Lucia, who uh, uh, was an investment investment advisor, and he he, uh, touted his investment strategy as buckets of money. And uh, he was accused by the SEC of misleading potential investors. And his argument, which could be really important for the way administrative agencies work, is that the judge who decided his case and uh, fined him and and banned him from the investment advisory business uh, wasn't properly appointed under the Constitution. So basically the Constitution says there are certain people who are called officers, and uh, because they're pretty darn important, uh, more important than just a run-of-the-mill employee, they have to be appointed in a specific way, like directly by the commission. And the SEC's administrative law judges w- were uh, not appointed. It was through uh, uh, the, the uh, federal government's personnel office was involved. They weren't appointed directly by the commission. Uh, and so he challenged the, the finding against him on those grounds. The Supreme Court agreed with him. And what could be really important about this more broadly is that um, it's all part of a doctrine that could give the president more control and ultimately give the president more ability to have somebody fired for not uh, going along with administrative priorities?
0: Explain how that could happen, Greg, and in what kind of circumstances. So, if
1: if um, the so now we know that administrative law judges are officers. Um, the argument from some other cases is that if you're an officer, you have to have a certain level of accountability, and at least the agency, which is politically appointed, the, the SEC, has to have the uh, ability to fi- to fire you for not going along with administrative administration priorities. Um, so, uh, that issue wasn't directly before the, the, the court in this case, but it seems very likely that soon we'll get a case saying uh, that the SEC, um, whose members are, are, you know, were appointed by the president, uh, you know, should have more ability to fire people like administrative law judges and potentially other people who work for, for the agency.
0: Does this mean that the SEC now has to go back and appoint all the judges that are already on the staff?
1: So they've already tried to do that. Um, but what the court said in this case is that's not good enough. Uh, Mr. Lucia has a right to a hearing before a different administrative law judge. Because you, could you, could you, um, uh, you know, even if this person will be able to, to stay in the job uh while he was while this ALJ was considering uh the Lucia case uh he had not been properly appointed and it doesn't make any sense to, we need to send it to another person to kind of give him a fresh start in front of a judge who was properly appointed.
0: It's a technical issue that actually has a lot of uh, repercussions. Let's talk about what's coming up. I understand that we're having opinions on a Friday as well, tomorrow. We are having
1: opinions on a Friday, uh, bonus opinion day tomorrow at the <laughs> Supreme Court. We are now down to 10 cases that are still to come. The biggest, uh, the one that people are really watching for, of course, is the Trump travel ban. Um, another really big business case that, that is important involves American Express uh, and an anti- Trust case against them for what, what, what's known as it's anti-steering rules, those uh, bar merchants who accept American Express cards from steering customers to another card that may charge the merchant lower fees. In other words, a merchant uh, can't say, hey, if you pay with X card, we'll give you a discount. Um, there's an antitrust case against that. The, the court could revive that case. There's also a big case involving mandatory union fees by public sector workers and whether uh, they have a uh, government workers have a first amendment right to say I don't want to contribute to to my union.
0: All right, thanks so much Greg. We will check back with you tomorrow for all the latest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on bloomberg.com/podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg